Hello, my name is Michael Bregman, welcoming you to this month's Albany Records podcast. On today's program, we will feature new releases to the Albany Records catalog and continue our conversation with Lisa Kirshner, talking about her father, Leon Kirshner, the American composer and teacher who died one year ago this month at the age of 90. Before we begin, let me remind you that Albany Records has a YouTube site where you can go and listen to new releases and selections from the back catalog. The link to the site is located right at the top of this Albany Records podcast page. American composer Thomas Sleeper enjoys a highly prolific career as both composer and conductor. Hailed by the Miami Herald as, quote, a conductor of persuasive fluency and fiery conviction, unquote, he began his professional career as a member of Fermata, a group of avant-garde composer-performers who presented concert series throughout Texas. At that time, he became associated with noteworthy composers such as Jerry Willingham, Charles Gruber, and Jerry Hunt. At age 22, he was appointed associate conductor of the Dallas Civic Symphony. Sleeper's compositional output includes two symphonies, two orchestral song cycles, eight concerti, six operas, and numerous chamber and solo works and music for film. A new Albany disc, number 1212, is devoted to orchestral music by Thomas Sleeper, including his 2007 Symphony Number no. 1, which he dedicated to his wife, the visual artist Sherry Tan. We hear the first movement marked Andante Mosso Agitato, with the Meadows Symphony Orchestra of Dallas, Texas, conducted by Paul Phillips.
That was the first movement marked on Dante Mosso Agitato from Symphony No. 1 from 2007 by American composer Thomas Sleeper. That's a new release on Albany Records, number 1212. One of the most popular series on Albany Records is devoted to the composer Edward J. Collins, who was born in Joliet, Illinois in 1886 and who lived until 1951. The youngest of nine children, he began his early studies with the famed Rudolf Gantz in Chicago. In 1906, Collins traveled with Gantz to Berlin, where he enrolled in the High School for Music in Performance and Composition. Upon graduation, he made a successful concert debut in Berlin, winning positive reviews from several critics. Upon returning to Chicago years later, he began a career in teaching, joining the faculty of the Chicago Musical College. He later married Frieda Meyer, daughter of the famed Oscar Meyer. Throughout this series, we have featured chamber music, solo piano music, and most importantly, orchestral music recorded by Marin Alsop with the Royal Scottish National Orchestra. A new release is very important because it presents the complete first recording of his only opera, Daughter of the South. The composer also wrote the opera's libretto, and the work is a true Civil War opera. It begins at the outbreak of war and concludes four years later when peace is finally declared. From Daughter of the South by Edward Joseph Collins, we hear the love duet entitled My Love, My Darling between the two characters Robert and Mary Lou. Robert is portrayed by tenor Peter Autty, and Mary Lou is soprano Lisa Milne with the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, conducted by Marin Alsop. Oh, 
We just heard the love duet, My Love, My Darling, from the opera Daughter of the South by Edward Joseph Collins, with tenor Peter Autie and Lisa Milne, soprano, with the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, conducted by Marin Alsop. This is from the latest release in the Edward Joseph Collins series on Albany Records, number 1210. The final selection in this month's new releases is part of another ongoing series, both in terms of performer and composer. This is the latest in the series of recordings featuring Stephen K. Steele conducting the Illinois State University Wind Symphony and the music of David Maslanka, born in 1943. Albany Records has featured many of his works, almost all of which are for wind ensemble, and his Symphony Number no. 3 was commissioned by the University of Connecticut Wind Ensemble, conducted by Gary Green. The Symphony Number no. 3, which was written in 1971, is definitely one of Mr. Maslanka's most important works. It is in five movements and is nearly 50 minutes long. We will hear the third movement marked very fast. Stephen K. Steele conducts the Illinois State University Wind Symphony in the third movement from the Symphony No. 3 for Wind Ensemble by David Maslanka.
the third movement marked very fast from the symphony number no. three for wind ensemble from 1991 by david maslanka with stephen k Steele conducting the illinois state university wind symphony this from albany records one two zero three this is part two of our looking back at the life of leon kirchner american composer pianist and teacher who passed away at the age of 90 in September of 2009. As before, we will listen to the reminiscences of his daughter, Lisa Kirshner, who is a recording artist for Albany Records, as well as being a stage and screen actress. But first, let's listen to some more music by Leon Kirshner. From his string quartet number one of 1949, we hear the third movement marked Divertimento. In this performance, we hear the Orion String Quartet.
That was the third movement, marked Divertimento, from the String Quartet No. 1, from 1949, by Leon Kirshner, with the Orion String Quartet performing. This is from their complete recording of all four string quartets of Kirshner on Albany Troy 1030. We now return to Lisa Kirshner, this time reminiscing about some of the famous people in her father's life. Dad had, um, well, some of his very closest friends he had met in the army. He stayed friends with them for life. That was Carl Reiner, Zero Mastel, and Leonard Rosenman. Dad once actually went to visit the Reiners in Los Angeles, and they uh, they told him they, they really wanted him to sleep in the guest room. I mean, in uh, their bedroom. They didn't want him to have to sleep in the guest room. And uh, so he consented, and they... Uh, two in the morning he woke up and there were these loud sounds billowing out of the speakers that Carl had set up in the bedroom and uh, he had wired the whole place to play this opera that Dad and Zero and Carl had written uh, in their army days. It was called Dracula. You know, Carl was just a very prominent presence in Dad's life and uh, we saw the Reiners quite a bit. Zero, hit Dad you told me about going to see Zero in uh, a play, I think it was Ulysses, and uh, you know, Zero could uh, take these uh, improvisational forays while he was playing a character. And um, the night Dad came, he, he started on a dialogue about art. Zero was a painter and loved painting. He went into some critical argument with Dad over some uh, some painter, and uh, so they, Dad, they did some little exchanges, and then uh, Zero returned his character and went on. You know, it was great to watch Dad with uh, Dad and Carl together were uh, quite a pair. I was very, very young when Dad knew Zero, and he, he died so long ago. Leonard Rosenman uh, did I I got to meet him when he came east and uh, he came to see dad and, and that was just a whole uh, era you know going back to the Hollywood years when dad had been in Hollywood during the 40s the golden era of Hollywood the Russian the um, European emigres coming to uh, Hollywood to write uh, very rich time that dad was a part of he was friends with uh, Alex North and with uh, Leonard Rosenman. And Rosenman wrote uh, East of Eden, Rebel Without a Cause. And I had probably only just seen those films and fallen desperately in love with uh, James Dean. And uh, so uh, Rosenman was very nice, uh, you know, answering all my James Dean questions and telling me about Hollywood. As we've mentioned before, Lisa Kirshner herself is an actress and singer who has appeared in nightclubs in New York City, on and off Broadway, and on the soap opera Another World. She has also made a number of jazz recordings for Albany Records. Obviously, her musical path is quite different than the one her father took. What was his reaction to her choice of musical career? You know, Dad loved beauty, he loved harmony, he loved beautifully constructed uh, 
music and it didn't matter to him what kind of music it was if it was you know it was if it was good music it was music and if it was beautiful music and thoughtful music and and had harmonic uh, uh, interest then then he he responded and you know yeah I know he always loved the Beatles when the Beatles came out he was he liked them and the um, the studio arrangements that they did you know those uh, piano pieces he, he was very impressed with their producer and uh, one day he came home with a tape and he said uh, I just heard a student gave me this tape I have just heard someone who is a genius this fellow is a genius he's a guitarist um, do you know uh, this uh, Jim Jim Hendrick and uh, you know, I said, "Dad, that's Jimi Hendrix," and he he never knew who the great pop icons were. He never had their. He never knew their. He always got their names wrong. If it had an S, he add, he would take it out. If there was no S, he'd put it in. And uh, but he did know that he had heard something extraordinary, and that's really all that mattered to him. And I. There was never any separation of uh, this kind of music or that kind of music, and in fact, um, you know, he he uh, I started singing because he got me a guitar. He and my mother bought me a guitar, and they bought me Joan Baez records and Peter Paul and Mary, and uh, uh, that's how I started singing. He took me uh, to a Ray Charles concert. He loved Ray Charles, and uh, so I remember one night, Dad and uh, David Del Tredigi and I went to. Uh, I don't. I think it might have been. Gosh, I don't even know what theater it was in Boston. And we saw the Ray Charles concert. That was uh, wonderful. Dad was saying, "Do you, do you know this? Uh, yeah, this song. Very good song. Uh, bridge, bridge." Uh, and he had, uh, you know, he had told me it was Paul Simon. I said, "Dad, that's Bridge Over Troubled Water." And uh, then I started singing. He played it for me. And then I started singing and harmonizing to it. And he said, that's, you know, that's terrific. You know, you, you really have an ear for harmony. And, um, you know, he, he, he appreciated all that. And in fact, I actually ended up singing with uh, Judy Collins doing harmonies. But Dad, uh, you know, he respected that. And he was very encouraging about all of that. And he was very encouraging about my uh, playing, my guitar playing, my, uh, you know, playing these, singing these songs. And writing, he was very encouraging about that. He always thought, you know, I had an ear, a real um, uh, ear for, as I said, ear for harmony and for composition and for uh, lyrics. And he was uh, very, very adamant about that. In fact, he took it more seriously than I did. I didn't take myself that seriously as a writer until very, very late, after I had already done theater and off off Broadway theater and. Uh, and then I, I did end up singing my own songs on NBC on uh, Another World. One of Kirshner's major influences when it came to singing was the famed Billie Holiday. My own uh, musical interests are, uh, or influences are extremely eclectic and they've of course just come from this uh, multifaceted background which began uh, in the house with classical music. I, I, I studied uh, piano with uh, Louise Vaskirchen, who was teaching with Dad at Harvard, and um, a little bit of theory and a little bit of theory in at Longy Music School. And then I began. Uh, my parents bought me 
a guitar, which then set off this whole thing with uh, learning ballads and all these Joan Baez songs, beautiful uh, story ballads. And then I later in um, sometime during college got introduced to Edith Piaf, and then I had also been through a musical theater and, uh, you know, working on Brecht and Weil and then ended up in Three Penny Opera, uh, pop songs, um, jazz, which had started in high school and, and uh, then really got serious in around the 90s uh, after I'd, I'd done uh, my musical theater era. Uh, I did uh, Off-Broadway, Off-Off-Broadway, um, I sang songs that I wrote on a soap opera that just um, came about. I was on the set. I was actually supposed to sing something else, and the director, who was directing Da uh, later, um, just said, "No, no, 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 no! Don't, don't do that." And I played a song, and he said, "Yes, yes, play that that I had written." And so that evolved into about a year of writing songs in a kind of folk uh, folk style because I only had a command of simple folk chords. And then I ended up singing with Judy Collins. And then I uh, discovered jazz after I had done uh, musical theater. So I sat in with the person who ended up being guitarist on most of my albums, and uh, I was just stunned at the, uh, you know, the um, the improvisation and the voicing and the musicality of this kind of performing in jazz, and uh, it was a stunning experience. And I instantly got into jazz seriously and evolved into jazz singer you know I mean I'm still kind of an all I have different elements in my voice kind of even a class not classical operatic but a kind of pure folk uh, kind of sound and a kind of jazz and kind of blues and uh, it's it's a, it's an eclectic sound and then there's the Brazilian stuff and the French stuff um, and I'm very influenced by singers, hugely by Billie Holiday, without my even knowing that subliminally I'm remembering, I guess, some phrasings and things because people uh, seem to compare me to her. And then uh, Sarah Vaughan and Ella Fitzgerald. And um, I, you know, I'm not hugely educated in jazz. Uh, you know, I don't know all, all the great players, but certainly I've listened to, to some and, and studied what they've done and um, got into a Coltrane thing, was definitely into a Coltrane thing. In fact, when I was choreographing in high school dance, I did something to an Ornette Coleman, uh, John Coltrane piece. Uh, you know, I had a whole theatrical um, background, so when I came to music, it was all about subtext and creating characters and inner monologues, and you know, I took it really, really seriously.
that's our guest, Lisa Kirshner, singing her own song, Blue by the River, from the album One More Rhyme on Albany Records. On the third and final installment in the series, we will hear more reminiscences about Leon Kirshner from Lisa Kirshner, and hear selections from a brand new release on Albany Records of chamber music by Leon Kirshner. Thank you for listening.